Hello, this is For the Love of Film Podcast. I am your host, Scott David Chase. Uh, this week I saw The Death of Stalin, uh, Una Mujer Fantastica, a.k.a. A Fantastic Woman, Isle of Dogs, and A Quiet Place. So, yeah, thanks for thanks for listening. Uh, I'm going to start... Uh, these are out of order from when I saw them, because uh, they varied widely from... Uh, enjoyed it very little to enjoyed it a great deal. So, um, I like to go from least to worst, uh, or least to best. Sorry. Um, so the, the, the film I'm going to talk about first was the death of Stalin, which I, I kind of feel at this point, um, based on personal experience in the last couple of years that, um, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and I've seen several films, uh, that I wouldn't have necessarily known about or wouldn't have necessarily checked out um, had it not been, you know, different creators or uh, actors or participants talking about these films. And unfortunately, the, the track record is not very good. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean I'm going to stop seeing films just because I hear about them on podcasts. And The Death of Stalin was not a film that I had heard someone speak on a podcast, they advertised this film on several podcasts, but the one that I heard on the most was Mark Maron's WTF podcast, and I believe they sponsored maybe maybe six episodes, so I kept hearing about it, which I wouldn't have heard about otherwise. And so it stars, uh, you know, Steve Buscemi, um, Jason Isaacs, Michael Palin, Jeffrey Tambor, several other notable actors, and they're all people I liked, and it was, you know, an indie film. It was, and, you know, the initial buzz on it, and actually still most of the buzz on it is very, very good. It's a, it's satire, although it, my biggest complaint about it is because it is, it's about the events that take place immediately after uh, the death of Stalin uh, in uh, Joseph Stalin in Soviet in the Soviet Union. Um, it's you know obviously it's not uh, a biopic per se, but most of it is fairly accurate. So I don't know how it can really be qualified as satire. It it does have a slightly over the top quality to it but it's not so over the top the way most uh really effective satires are to for me to consider it true satire um you know it, as i was trying to say it it is getting very good buzz and unfortunately i did not enjoy the film and i was going in th- hoping it was going to be good you know had pretty good expectations um uh you know it's it's gotten accolades from several uh reputable places saying what a hysterical film it was and the thing is i i legitimately did not laugh once watching the film um the biggest problem is almost all the actors are british uh that's not the problem in and of itself but and there are a few american actors as well Nobody speaks in a Russian accent. Everyone speaks in their native accents. 
So most of them have British accents. You know, Steve Buscemi, Jeffrey Tambor uh, are American actors and they speak with their American accents. And clearly that was a choice that was made. Um, I'm not sure why, uh, but it was, uh, it was strange. And, uh, you know, so much of Joseph Stalin's reign was, uh, incredibly brutally violent. Um, and it's talked about in this, but in a very casual, almost jokey way. So, it was just kind of, it was off-putting um, that I, I felt it didn't work as satire and obviously it didn't really work as uh, a historical piece. It was just, it, it was a mess. I have a couple friends who whose f- opinions on film I value greatly who enjoyed it a great deal and I'd love to at some point sit down and talk to them and, you know, because I'm always open to different people's perspectives, but... For me, it was it was a chore to get through, and like I said, I like most of these actors, and it's. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't offended. I was just mostly bored more than anything, and like I said, I did not, I did not laugh once uh, during the film, so I really could not recommend it. Um, I would give the death of Stalin about a three, uh, out of ten. Um, yeah, definitely one of the the least favorite films I've seen so far in 2018, and um, possibly the highest rated, highest reviewed film that I did not enjoy so far this year, but I'm sure there will be more. So uh, let's see. Let me take a sip of my coffee. Sorry, being unprofessional. It's a raise against time because my coffee is getting cold, so I'm trying to drink it before it's undrinkable but so the next film i saw was una mujer fantastica which is a chilean film um uh you know uh it was known primarily as a fantastic woman uh around the world it did win the oscar for best foreign language film this year and um you know i had been interested in seeing it even before it won it was just it wasn't uh playing anywhere close to where I was uh, during its initial run. But luckily, the Red River Theater in Concord, New Hampshire, uh, was playing it. It's one of my one of my absolute favorite theaters in New Hampshire, and I can say that with some authority since I've been to every theater in New Hampshire. Um, myself and my friend Greg went on a, uh, a trip, uh, you know, or a, a quest in 2016 to see a film in every theater in New Hampshire, which we completed successfully. And then in 2017, there was a new theater that Chunky's Cinemas in Manchester. So we went to that. But, uh, you know, Red River Theater is uh, a theater I had been to before, and it often gets um, a lot of art house films, and they play a lot of cult classics. I got to see Pulp Fiction again last year. Um, Pulp Fiction is the film that I have seen on the big screen more than any other film. I've seen it 12 times now. So anyway, uh, getting back to A Fantastic Woman, um, uh, beautiful film uh, starring Daniela Vega, who is a transgendered actress. And, you know, in this year's Academy Awards became the first 
transgendered person to present an Academy Award. Uh, and, you know, she gives a beautiful performance. It's, it's a, it's a heartbreaking film. Uh, very sad. Um, which is the type of film that's right up my alley. Um, you know, it, it, her, uh, her, her lover, her partner passes away suddenly, uh, you know, is, is having physical pain. She takes him to the hospital where he passes away. And, uh, that's not a spoiler that happens at the very beginning of the film and it's given away in the trailer. Um, but it's about the process of, uh, you know, the grief process, but also being a transgendered person, uh, the horrible treatment she's received from, from, uh, her, her partner Orlando's family and from the police investigating, uh, treated as, you know, very much less than human. And, um, you know, it was eye opening. I, I, I do have some transgendered friends who I've heard different stories from, but none who, I mean, mean, thankfully none who have had a partner who has passed away in this manner. And, uh, so I had, I hadn't really even considered, all the ramifications of um, how uh, how this would transpire and how uh, someone could be treated as less than a person in a time where I think uh, acceptance and compassion and love would be appreciated most in a time of grief. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a beautiful film. Definitely won or definitely deserved to win the Oscar. In my opinion, um, it is it is in Spanish. Um, for those of you interested, uh, for for whatever uh, for, for whatever uh, that's worth, some people I know uh, are hesitant to see a film if it's subtitled, but um, you know it's certainly worth it. It's I wasn't distracted by that. I mean, I I I have a cursory. Uh, walking knowledge of Spanish. So that didn't take away from it. I, some of it I could understand without having to sit down, you know, look down and read, but, uh, yeah, excellent, excellent film. If you get the chance to see it, highly recommended. I would give a fantastic woman, um, an eight out of 10. Uh, yeah. So the next one that I saw was Wes Anderson's new film, Isle of Dogs, it's a stop motion animation film. Uh, a little, little kind of side note on that. So I saw it, um, more than two weeks after it opened and, but unfortunately it, you know, it, I mean, it was a film that I was anticipating. I had several friends who were anticipating seeing it. And then on the release date, it wasn't playing anywhere near us. The closest place that it was playing was New York city, which is about five hours from where I live. Um, you know, it opened in New York and LA, I believe Chicago and maybe two or three other, um, two or three other markets on its opening weekend, which as much as I don't agree with it, I understand why that is done during award season. It's, you know, films are often opened very briefly just so they can be considered, and then they get a wider release, a bigger push after the award season because 
you know, oftentimes films can get lost. So many films are released towards the end of the year. But this was in March. So I don't really understand why they would release it uh, kind of staggered. It's, you know, it's it's frustrating. Uh, especially, I mean, I, would, I consider Boston one of the biggest, you know, cultural uh, uh, arts-centric cities in the country. Um, it's certainly in the top 10. So I don't really understand why Boston gets passed by for so many of these, uh, opening weekend for artistic films. Uh, you know, I was not this film, but, uh, when Guillermo del Toro's shape of water opened, it, it was the same thing. It didn't open wide for several weeks. And I was actually contemplating driving down to New York city to see it. And then, Mercifully, it opened in Boston the week after, so I saw it then. But uh, especially in 2018, when fewer and fewer people are seeing films in the theater, and you know, uh, movie studios are are trying to get people to come into theaters. I don't, I don't understand why they, you know, sort of punish smaller markets by not putting stuff out right away. Um, you know, maybe they don't look at it that way. Maybe they don't realize it. But yeah, so it was frustrating. And I really wanted to see Isle of Dogs um, when it opened. And when it opened, there wasn't really a whole lot of other interesting stuff that opened that week. So um, I would have loved to have seen it. And with Movie Pass, uh, I probably would have seen it multiple times opening weekend. It finally opened this past weekend, and there was actually uh, a whole slew of new films that I was interested in seeing. So I, I did get to see it, but it wasn't the film that I, I didn't see it on Friday. Um, I saw the next film that I'm going to talk about, A Quiet Place on Friday, and I saw The Isle of Dogs on Saturday afternoon. So, um, you know, it was... Uh, that That's sort of my take on this staggered release. But anyway... So I'm a Wes Anderson fan. I think most people who have seen his films are usually pretty big fans. I don't know that many people, unless unless someone early on, you know, saw saw Rushmore or the Royal Tenenbaums. Those tend to be, if someone's not a fan of Wes Anderson, those tend to be the ones that they saw and are usually like, yeah, not for me. I mean, Wes Anderson has a very specific. Um, aesthetic to his films, uh, a certain rhythm to the dialogue. And, uh, this, you know, this is no exception. This is his second stop motion film, the fantastic Mr. Fox being the first one, which I will say first and foremost, I was not a fan of the fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, I did, I did enjoy the animation style, uh, but the fantastic Mr. Fox, my, my problem with it at the time was that, it is barely an adaptation of the original children's book. Uh, the story is completely different. And, you know, it was a story I'd grown up with. So I was going in expecting to see an adaptation of that. And it's basically Wes Anderson took the characters and made his own movie, which is fine. And I think I should revisit it to see how I feel about it. But uh, uh, at the time, I wasn't a huge fan of it. So, but, you know, I saw the previews for the Isle of Dogs probably six or seven times in the last few months and was, you know, pretty excited to see it. Um, it, it is an original work. It's not 
an adaptation of another piece. Um, there was, uh, let's see, there was, I believe there were four people that wrote the story. Yeah, so Wes Anderson wrote the screenplay, but he wrote it with uh, Roman Coppola, who has someone who he's uh, collaborated with before, Jason Schwartzman, who he's also collaborated with before as both an actor and a, a screenwriter, and then Kunichi Nomura, which I'm not familiar with that uh, their creative partnership, if this is the first thing they've worked on or not. Um, it was kind of interesting that uh, Jason Schwartzman, you know, wrote the story but was not involved, did not do one of the voices. Uh, Wes Anderson tends to tends to use a lot of actors over and over and over again. Um, he kind of collects a, a troupe, which I really enjoy, and you know, a lot of the usual suspects provided voices in this. Um, although, um, I guess by default, the, the, the lead voice actor in this, Brian Cranston, I don't believe has worked with him before, but Brian Cranston is a well-known actor. So yeah, Brian Cranston, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Bob Balaban, uh, Ken Watanabe, uh, Francis McDormand, Greta Gerwig, Fisher Stevens, Harvey Keitel, Liv Schreiber, who's a new new uh, Wes Anderson collaborator, Scarlett Johansson, Tilda Swinton. They all did voices. And, you know, it was kind of fun hearing their voices come out of most, most of them voice dogs. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a fantasy film. I mean, you could call it science fiction, but there's very little science in it. That's different than what we have now. Uh, it's, it's 20 years in the future. Dogs have all been banished to this trash Island in Japan. And, uh, one little boy who is the mayor's ward, his adopted son, uh, lands on the Isle of Dogs to try and find his dog spot. And, you know, it's about his, his friendship with a pack of five dogs and, um, the journey to, to find his dog. Um, yeah, it was, it's, it's a fun film. There's, there's been some debates about cultural appropriation versus homage. I honestly, I don't know enough about Japanese culture. I've never been to Japan um, I don't know, personally, I don't know anyone, uh, of Japanese heritage or from Japan to have any, to, to have a firsthand opinion about it. And, uh, you know, just my take, just seeing the film, uh, I didn't feel that it was exploitative, but again, that's just my take on it. And as I mentioned, I, I, I don't know the culture of Japan, so I, I'm certainly not an authority on whether or not it's offensive. And then, and you know, whether or not something is offensive is is widely subjective as well. Something might be terribly offensive to one person and not offensive at all to someone else. So doesn't mean one of them is right. Doesn't mean one of them is wrong. But um, you know, I, I I really enjoyed the animation style. It the and the attention to detail in every frame. I mean, it's a big movie. There's like all of Wes Anderson's films, every, every inch of the screen is filled with all sorts of little details that really begs to be watched multiple times to kind of see all the little hidden things. But, um, so I was really glad I saw it on the big screen. Uh, if you're a fan of animation, 
uh, as I am, I would highly recommend it. Uh, anything that's handmade animation, uh, as I've stated on this podcast before, I'm not a huge fan of computer animated films. There are some that I really like. I mean, last year's Coco was an example of something that I really appreciated. But anything that's hand-drawn or crafted by hand, such as this was, uh, where hundreds of artisans are involved in making something is just amazing to me. I mean, I had always loved uh, stop-motion animation as a child, and it still fascinates me as an adult. Um, I mean, the humans have a very waxy kind of look to them, which I don't remember ever seeing before. Um, I can't say whether, objectively, whether or not I liked it or didn't, but it was something different. And, um, you know, the dogs uh, are are certainly stylized in this. Um, it was it, it was a stop-motion style that I've never quite seen before. It, to me, it looked different than Fantastic Mr. Fox. But it was it was a lot of fun. I liked that smoke and explosions and fire were rendered uh, using material rather than fire or smoke. Uh, it gave it a uh, a very childlike feel to it, which I really appreciated. So um, I honestly, even though it's an animated film, I think it's a little dark. It's certainly a little too slow paced for children to really enjoy it. Um, so it is sort of one of those things that looks like a kid's movie, but it's really designed for adults. And it's at this point, Wes Anderson's films are kind of a genre unto their own. So if you're a Wes Anderson fan, you should definitely go see it. Um, if you're put off by, you know, his dialogue or the sort of diorama nature of how he stages everything you're not going to like this as well so it really depends on your familiarity with him or not but if you are an animation fan and are not familiar with Wes Anderson stuff definitely give it a give it a look see um I would give it an eight out of ten another film that I really enjoyed and I'm glad that I got a chance to see it in the theater so the last film that I'm going to talk about was A Quiet Place which is um, directed by John Krasinski, which if you're not familiar with his name, he's probably most well known as playing Jim Halpert on the office. And, uh, you know, he's, he's had a career acting in films. This is not his first film as a director, but, uh, it's, uh, really his first film of note as a director, in my opinion. Um, he, he, the story was, not original to him. It was originally written by um, two guys, Scott Beck and Brian Woods. And then even though all three are credited as, as the screenwriter, uh, you know, they were not involved in the process of rewriting the script with John Krasinski. He, he, he rewrote the script himself. And, um, you know, so it stars John Krasinski and his wife, em, his real life wife, Emily Blunt. And, uh, Millicent Simmons and Noah Jupe uh, as their children. And that's, other than a few uh, scenes, that's pretty much everyone human that's in the film. Um, it It is a horror film. And uh, I'm kind of glad going into it, I didn't realize it was PG-13. Because I, I kind of have a chip on my shoulder about PG-13 horror films. And... Uh, my, my school of thought has always been, well, how scary can they really be? 
because they cut, you know, they they sort of pull back a little bit from what they could do to get a, a wider release, which I don't feel that this film did at all. And in fact, I, when I first learned it was PG-13, I, I was sure that it must have been rated R and that the person who told me that was mistaken. But then, um, you know, on a lot of social media, a lot of people were people who had not seen the film were saying, how scary can it be? It's PG-13. Basically the, the same thing that I just said. Um, it is, it is a horror film, but it is a, almost a drama film encased in the, the, the trappings of a horror film. Uh, it's about this family who they're living in a time, you know, only, only a couple of years from now, I believe it's, at the beginning of the film, it's in the year 2020. And there are these creatures that have come to earth, uh, invaded, whatever. It doesn't give a whole lot of backstory who have decimated most of the population. And, uh, through very, um, very, very clever use of newspaper clippings and art, you know, uh, little pieces, scraps of paper with note on them, um, you, you, you get a lot of the backstory very quickly and not a lot of explanation, but these creatures are blind. They hunt through sound. So in order for this family to survive, they have to be silent and they communicate with American sign language, which their eldest daughter is, is deaf. So they were already familiar with it. Um, you know, this is a, a film that, uh, you know, I, I do feel it gives, it gave a little bit too much away in the second preview or the, or the preview for it. The first one was a, was a teaser, but, um, it really didn't necessarily capture the, the essence of the film in the preview. So, so it was a bit of a surprise. I was going in hoping I would enjoy it. And, uh, I I really really love this film. Um it's there are times where it is just heartbreaking. I mean there was uh, several emotional points. Um you know the the relationship with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt very believable. I mean obviously they are married in real life but married couples on-screen chemistry doesn't always come across but it's certainly it's believable that these two are partners who complement each other in life very well. Um, but the, the acting from both the children, Milson Simmons and Noah Jupe was also fantastic. Directing children can be a tricky business sometimes. And, uh, you know, John Krasinski did a, a fantastic job getting very realistic, uh, performances out of, all of his actors. Uh, and I said earlier to a couple people that, uh, I do think this is probably the finest performance from an actor I've ever seen who's directed himself. Uh, while I enjoy John Krasinski, I never really took much note of him as an actor. Uh, I always just think of him as Jim from the office. And, um, he gave a very, um, dramatic, strong, well, well-rounded performance in this. And he, he was great. I mean, the whole, uh, the whole film was great. Um, it, it was genuinely scary 
incredibly moving. Uh, there was a, a lot of tension in it. Uh, there, there's a part, you know, every shot is done for a purpose and, you know, there's an establishing shot set up halfway through the film, which, you know, they focus on a particular thing and you know what the result of that is going to be, but it takes about 10 minutes for the payoff and it is pure dread because you know the whole time what's going to happen. Um, and just the tension builds and builds and builds. Um, so it's fantastic. Um, I'm hoping to see it again sometime this week. Um, it was just, it was an excellent film. Uh, yeah. Uh, I would give a quiet place a nine out of 10, maybe even a nine and a half right now. It is tied with annihilation as my favorite film that I've seen so far this year. So yeah, I would certainly go out and see it. Uh, highly recommended. Go see it in the theater. So those are the films that I saw this week. Hopefully uh, you go and check out at least one of them. And thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon. Bye.